and he gave her a sock puppet <laughs> and he said talk to the puppet the puppet is your mind you're listening to at home in the mind with me vika this podcast was originally going to be called on the road in the mind as in february i set off to spend the last two years of my 20s traveling the world two years however quickly turned to seven weeks as the world plummeted into crisis following the coronavirus pandemic for me this was a huge loss not only because discovering the world has been something i've always wanted to do but also because i have come to believe it essential for my mental health much of my 20s was spent only looking out for others totally neglecting myself in the process as i have slowly been re-emerging and gaining self-awareness talking to family and friends i've realized that everyone at some point or other in life deals with major or minor mental health issues now that billions around the world are stuck in their homes many unsure how to cope in isolation i decided to invite some for a chat to talk through current or past issues and resolutions my hope is that by sharing these conversations someone suffering miles away will feel less alone and better able to help themselves the more we know the better we can equip ourselves with the tools we need to heal and seek help welcome to this first episode of at home in the mind I'm Vika, your host, but hopefully we'll become friends as this podcast progresses. As you heard in the intro, I was traveling until very recently. So from the sunny shores of Puerto Rico, I'm now in the gray but lush green British countryside. For this first episode, I'm recording this preamble in my makeshift studio where I've been quarantining myself for more than two weeks now, as I thought it apt to give you a real sense of where this all happens. In future episodes, I think I'll record this on my daily walk. My first guest is my very good friend, Faustine. We've known each other since university, which is nine years ago now. I thought that she would be a good place to start, not only because she's always so generous with her time, but mainly because she is someone I really look up to when it comes to living with and overcoming mental health issues, specifically anxiety, which I'm very familiar with. So I invited her on to talk about what tools she has adopted to ensure a healthy mental state during this time of isolation. I should note that we did this interview over Skype and there were some Wi-Fi issues. So I apologize in advance for some uh, noise distortion and echoing. I would like to add that we throw around a lot of opinions in this chat. These come from our personal experience and points of view. We acknowledge that mental health affects everyone in different ways. Um, we are not medical experts. We are also not political experts. Um, I think we throw around quite a bit on the effect the coronavirus is having on the world and really we're utterly clueless. So please don't take it, uh, don't take our word at all. However, we hope that some of what we say resonates with you and gives those out there suffering some comfort as well as some ideas on trying out new coping mechanisms, especially during this time of isolation. That's it for me. Let's start then, shall we? Hi, Christine, and welcome to At Home in the Mind. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks so much for inviting me to do this. Um, I'm really glad that I have the opportunity to speak with you about mental health in these really strange times. For the listeners out there, uh, Faustine and I have known each other since university, so we've known each other for a very long time, and we've actually had similar mental health journeys, I would say. Would you agree? 
Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I struggle with anxiety and that leads to, that has led to depression. And they sort of are hand in hand. Maybe I haven't been properly diagnosed, whatever, but I feel that your anxiety really was acute, more acute than mine at, at one point. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to, to really, you know, then there's so much awareness, not awareness, diagnosis, not diagnosis that goes into this. But yeah, I had a phase where I had a, an acute phase of, of anxiety where I was on um, anti-anxiety medication in order to keep functioning because the anxiety had taken such a toll on me that I couldn't function normally anymore. But those things, I think, I don't know how much people will know about these things, but as you were saying, anxiety and depression, they, they can be related, they can be not related. They are so flexible, they can have so many different aspects and shapes and forms, and they can be expressed in so many different ways. You can be aware of it, not aware of it, um, and it's something that evolves through your life. A lot of people have kind of a, a predisposition and then phases where they are more or less, right? Would you agree with this? Yes, yes, totally. So it's a, yeah, it's a complicated thing, but it's something that we have talked a lot about together because we have some experiences that are, that we can relate to a lot. Yeah, I think, and, and, and obviously talking about it helps so much, especially when it comes to anxiety, because a lot of what anxiety makes you believe is, is total and utter nonsense and it has to be aired out to not be taken seriously. There's a lot of misinformation as to what anxiety is. Uh -huh. um, how it works and all these things and so I think that you and I you talk about it a lot because when you when you have someone who you know really 100% understands it's it's so uplifting compared to the rest of life experience where most people are like oh you're stressed stop worrying why are you doing this why are you randomly sad what's happening to you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what I've experienced a lot both in, in, in myself and in um, close family and friends who suffer from mental health issues, is that what anxiety and depression love are isolation. So in, in, in terms of anxiety, anxiety loves you isolating in terms of making you mute, not letting you talk to others because you're afraid that that's going to be the reaction. You're ridiculous, you're crazy, you're being irrational. And so you don't voice your thoughts that could very easily be rationalized through a friend. And then depression prevents you from leaving the house a lot of the time and just isolating because you don't have the energy, emotional or physical energy to, to move. And so my big worry with the self-isolation phenomenon, my big worry is, is the spread of, of mental health issues. Maybe not the spread, but, but more the exacerbation the sort of increase of mental health issues because people don't know necessarily aren't aware that just because you are isolating doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep connection keep communicating and find ways of airing whatever it is bugging you or eating you from the inside so in that yeah. spirit yeah. i have asked you to come on this show and you very kindly accepted to talk through some of you know the context that you are living in and what you are doing to, to ensure that you stay healthy and happy. I think that it's it's very important to talk about this because we're talking a lot about health, obviously, and I think that obviously depending on the country, but in most places still, mental health is not as 
much of a focus, obviously, as physical health is. And a lot of people still do not understand what it is, really. I think that in, in France, we are very, very behind compared to the UK in terms of mental health and understanding and education as to what that is and how it works. And there is no such concept as taking care of your mental health. If you speak of mental health in such words in France, you're still going to get a lot of stigma around being crazy. And I kid you not. So, right. Um, okay. It's, I think it's really, really important to talk about this because obviously uh, in, a, in a health crisis like this, a lot of people are, are not aware that something like isolation can affect people's health beyond their physical health. As you were saying, things like anxiety and depression, but there are so many other forms of, of, of struggles. Isolation can really exacerbate a lot of things. Even, even people who, who don't have a pre-existing condition, right? It, we know that in order to stay healthy and always, humans need human connection. Mm-hmm. Um, humans need interaction. They need to human touch. So even for people who, there are people who have pre-existing mental health issues and, and obviously those can be exacerbated. And then there are people who don't struggle with mental health usually who, who this could affect anyway. So I think it's, it's a huge, huge topic that needs to be addressed in, in these times. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you think the same. Before we get going in terms of specifically talking about the virus itself and how that's affected your environment, do you, do you have any opinions on why France is behind? Is it in terms of dealing with mental health issues? Is it because it's not talked about very much? Or, um, you know, what, what's, the, what's, what's behind that? It's hard to say the 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 actual reason why um, I think that culturally French people are very resistant to to change and to evolution. I see that compared to the UK or the US, for example, I'm just saying those because I have a lot of ties with them. Things just go much slower. We are very very attached to to the old ways of doing things and traditions. And anytime that anyone tries to change anything in France. You just get this wave of protests and of, no, we can't change. I think we're very resistant to change. So right. uh, I think this is valid as a whole in France. We just are very slow to evolve. And then specifically, health-wise, the, the, the whole medical world is dominated in France, I'm sure, and I'm, I assume also everywhere else, but I can only speak for what I know, is dominated by middle-aged white men. They have every reason to keep things in place how they are, Right. Um, right. And so okay. uh, I think that that plays a part in it as well, where there's still so much stigma around it. It's so hard for for people with, with younger ideas to have a, a voice to be heard. It's so rigid that there's, there, there's not a because I don't know if I'm explaining this well, but because of this, there's not a big focus put on, on mental health. Right. Okay. Mind. It's very hard to, to budge, I think. Okay, and you know if you've if you've seen anyone to help you out, I you got medication, so I assume you went to see someone. In in that, were they very traditional? Did you find that they were very unhelpful? Um, that that does happen a lot. I was lucky, and I found my uh, GP was very. Um, he's quite young, and he's very up to date on mental health things, and he. Uh, is the one who who diagnosed me and and put me on the right track and uh, 
that helped me in every way. So I, you know, I found the right person. Then in terms of the different types of therapy, it's also harder in France to find the right type for you. The, I feel like the type of therapy is also still, it hasn't evolved much in the few in the last few decades, you know? So um, it's very traditional. It's very traditional. Yeah. I had a friend just the other day tell me that he tried a new therapist who who literally got him to just lie down on a on a sofa without looking at her and just speak. And I was like, like is this you know the very beginnings of, of, of psychotherapy? I don't know. It's but sometimes yeah. it can go too far the other way. So I have a friend who struggles with a, a bipolar type issue and she went to this guy therapist psychiatrist and sat down with him and he gave her a sock puppet (laughs) and he said talk to the puppet the puppet is your mind and she looked at the sock puppet in disbelief and looked at him he had his own sock puppet (laughs) like look just just speak to it look hello um and he said his own name which uh, let's make it up let's say mark right Hello, Mark. Mark's mind. Why are you hurting me? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Did not know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I think this is a, a problem that we have everywhere, right? It's finding the right help, finding the right thing that works for us, finding the... It's a tough journey. Can you tell our lovely listeners a bit about uh, where you are currently? I um, actually live in Paris, but I am now in Lyon um, because I've decided to quarantine here with my family. Okay. What made you want to move from one urban location to the other? What's the difference between the two? So I decided to come uh, isolate in Lyon, not so much to be in Lyon rather than Paris, because the current situation in, in both cities is the same. But because in Paris, I live on my own, and I don't have any flatmates or anything. So I really wouldn't have had any human contact at all for for weeks. And that, knowing myself, I know that that lack of human life around me that I usually get, even though I live on my own, because I, I go out and work and see people and um, do social activities, that would have really affected me because I've learned from experience that when I'm in connection with others, I tend to lose touch with reality and with the world. And I thought that if I stayed on my own for however many weeks this was going to last, I was really scared that my anxiety would flare up and um, that I would feel so lonely that I that I would have a really hard time coping that I also know that I tend to get a feeling of of emptiness when I when I don't really know what I'm what I'm doing because there's not not much to do. So this would have been a case that's really like that where all of a sudden you you know you can't work, you can't go and socialize and so you're a little bit lost. And since that's something that I already experienced as it is, I thought, you know, this being completely on my own, um, I'm gonna feel so empty and strange and disconnected from the world and that's not going to be good for my mental health so that's why I really didn't hesitate to come and stay with my family because 
even though it's it's not always easy living in close quarters with the family, especially when you're not used to it anymore. It gives a life to the to a to a house. There's things going on. It keeps you connected to to the world. It keeps you interacting with people. You see humans. You hear noise around. It reminds you. Oh, even just hearing people wake up in the morning helps you to think. Okay, it's morning. I need to to get up. And whereas when you're completely on your own and you're completely disconnected from any activity that you do, I know that I would have had a hard time just getting out of bed and making myself do things because I wouldn't have had anything urgent to do or anything. So yeah, that's why I made that decision. That makes a lot of sense. Um, it's really great that you have that self-awareness, um, that knowledge about yourself to recognize your needs and what's best for you and act on it. You know, whether you move from Paris to Lyon or not, already that in itself is a huge step in in uh, managing mental uh, mental health and and not 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 falling into deeper struggles yeah yeah i mean you know years of analyzing why i feel like shit that helps (laughs) (laughs) but it sounds like during the very when all this was progressing i mean it's still progressing pretty fast but when all this was progressing you know from one extreme to the next it seems like you were at the heart of it all in paris what did that look, you know, how did the virus progress in Paris? What did that look like from a Parisian's point of view? And how did Parisians take all the decisions that were made? So, yeah, it was only at the very beginning of it. So I can't really speak um, for what's happening there now and what has happened there in the, in the past two weeks. But definitely it was the heart of it at first because it's just more dense. So mm-hmm. the the hospitals immediately had more patients coming in and um, there's obviously more movement, more contact. Um, the number of people who go through Paris every day just in the metro is just thousands and thousands. But what I can say is I was there the week just before the actual lockdown was, was announced officially with all the rules and everything. And at first, people really didn't take it seriously at all. And I think that the French people are culturally and historically quite rebellious and not very disciplined, um, not very docile. They don't like uh, being told what to do. So at first, when it was just, you know, people being advised not to leave so much the house, not to gather in groups, not to go out, um, people really were like, no, I'm not going to do this because I'm, I'm just, why should I do what I'm being told to do? I'm just going to do what I want to do. The attitude was very much, oh, we've been told not to do the, the bees anymore, not to give each other kisses to, to say hello anymore. Mm-hmm. But, oh, I'm just going to keep doing this because this is what I do and like nothing is going to stop me. And I'm not going to give up my habits and so on. And, uh, you know, on the weekend, just before the, the actual lockdown, so the schools were, on the Thursday night, they announced that the cl- schools would be closed starting on the Monday. So I'm talking about... Thursday, the the 12th of March, they announced that the schools would close starting on the Monday. So we all kind of saw this coming. This is the, the, at the end of the week, we saw it was going to happen and they were starting to say, don't go out so much anymore. And on the Saturday, they announced that all bars and restaurants and everything would be closing at midnight. So you'd, at that point, obviously they had to say, set a, a time and date for when it would start to be active. But we all already knew what we were supposed to be doing. And really everyone 
when they found out that the bars were going to close on Saturday night and not reopen for ages, everyone rushed out to the bars to enjoy yeah. it one last time before before they were shut, which really defeats the point because when once this decision has been made, you already know what the danger is. But the the, the attitude was really, oh, let's go enjoy it while we can. Mm-hmm. You know, so this was really the bars in Paris were packed on Saturday night. I don't um, think that's only a French thing. Um, when Boris Johnson announced that um, all restaurants and pubs would close on the Friday night, this was Friday a week ago, I think. Uh, the next day, someone uh, saw loads of people in a in a pub just hanging out in the pub garden, and I think that the Brits took took it as seriously as the French did in, and that in that by that I mean I think a lot of them didn't take it seriously at all yeah I think it takes people a long time to adapt really and some people adapt much faster but yeah I mean it, the situation has really evolved from I need to keep checking my calendar because I'm so lost in time two and a half weeks ago when this started in France and now where people have gradually started taking it more and more seriously um, and the atmosphere in the city has changed drastically so what are so what does the lockdown look like in france what what are the rules so the rules are we are only allowed to go outside for um, essential i'm using air quotes things such as uh, grocery shopping minimal physical exercise so that means for example running around your block it you have to stay within one kilometer of your house and you cannot stay outside for more than one hour. You and oh, and if you have to go to work, if your work is essential to, you know, I think that's sure. kind of the same as everywhere. So and to go outside, you have to print off a piece of paper uh, that the government put on their website for people to print out and say which of these of these reasons you're going out for and what time you head outside, so that they can check that it's you haven't exceeded the, the one hour limit. And in the cities, there are police checks you know, to regulate these things because at first, of course, people weren't respecting these things and people were just hanging out on the streets, especially since this happened right when it started being beautiful weather. So people were like, oh, I'm just going to go see my friends in the park. And um, so mm-hmm. they had to put police out to, to check and to find people who aren't respecting these things. Although in my neighborhood, I haven't come across any yet when I've gone outside to go grocery shopping. So, but I do the paper every time and everything. Yeah, yeah. So those are the rules as for staying inside. Um, obviously, people with essential jobs have different rules. We don't have to have a permission slip. So mm. I'm not sure how things are policed. I'm, I'm in the middle of the countryside and have been in sort of self-quarantine for the past two weeks. So I don't really know what's going on in the world outside of this house. Yeah, it's kind of an absurd concept, though, because if you think about it, it's not like you have access to a limited amount, a limited number of permission slips. So you could print out as many as you want from your own computer. So people who can print out as many as they want can just go outside, can could cheat the system, if you like, which, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and people who don't have a computer or don't have internet or don't have a printer or, you know, the elderly who don't either have these resources or don't know how to use them or anything. I'm thinking about my grandmother. Uh, these are the people who aren't going to have the, the paper and who might get fined. And it's just when you think about it, if you go shopping and you don't have the paper and you say, no, but I'm just going shopping. I live right there. I'm just going to the store. You could get a fine theoretically. 
but right. paper that you yourself printed out that you can print any number of and that you yourself filled in and that you yourself signed, then that's okay. I mean, it's not like anyone has to stamp these papers to get them approved or anything. So it's, it's a, you know, it's just, I think a, a little bit absurd. Um, and it's just, um, but yeah, it's, it's more, um, sort of restrict it is affecting poor people vulnerable people negatively exactly. instead of helping them exactly. um, as usual the measures put in affect those who need help the most yeah it leads to that really defeat the point of the whole isolation thing like my grandmother had to go and see her neighbor so that her neighbor could give her some of these papers for example right okay so it defeats the point You know, you said at the start that you knew that for yourself, being in a small con confined space was the absolute worst. What What else are you doing to help yourself through this isolating time? Well, so this is a really, how can I say this? I think everyone has their own things that they do to feel good. But I think that a lot of people are saying, oh, in order to stay sane during this time, a lot of people have a lot of advice to give, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are saying, oh, in, during this time, it's really important that you keep a rhythm and you keep a structure and you keep a certain level of productivity. Oh, or this is one that I hear a lot as well. Um, you should be using this time. You should be making the most of this time. Mm. Um, learn a new craft. Uh, do this, do that, uh, develop your skills in this, or do all the things that you don't usually have time to do. Take this time to reflect on your life, blah, blah, blah. And I think that, if, you know, if people manage to do this, good, but everyone um, should be doing just, you know, what they can do and what makes them feel good. So I think for some people, some people need a lot of structure and some people need to feel like they're doing things and like they've kept their rhythm and in order to feel to, to feel like they are staying sane they need to keep certain habits all these things but i think it's i think we should also be allowed to just go off the rails a little bit and for me this is what's been helping me stay sane is actually not keeping a, a rhythm and forcing myself to have these habits because these things just induce guilt if you don't follow them or stress or or in my case frustration because if I give myself a schedule where I think I'm going to do this and this and this and I'm going to be productive and I'm going to do this and that makes me want to go out and be more active and do things and since I can't I'm going to have frustration so what's mm -hmm. been keeping me sane is actually just to slow down and listen to what I feel like doing and just do that and let myself go off the rails if I feel like it so if I feel like staying in bed all day then maybe I will. And if I feel like lying down on the floor listening to music for hours with my eyes closed, then I might just do that. But then if the next day I feel like dancing all day from morning to evening, then I'll do that. And I'm not <laughs> going to tell myself, oh, I need half an hour of sports every morning and then I need two hours of reading and then I need to work and then I need to do this and that. Um, yeah, that doesn't work for me. So and I've been just, yeah, doing things that I like doing, really listening to myself more because I'm, I don't have to have a schedule like I usually do. And I know that this is temporary. I've allowed myself to think, okay, well, what do I feel like doing now? I'll just do that. And that's really been helping me stay calm, stay sane, not stress out too much. 
trying to mind my own business as well, because at first I was very, oh, what are other people doing? Other people aren't listening to the rules. They're not being responsible. They're going outside. Why are they not doing what we should be doing? They're so selfish. And I would get myself mm-hmm. overwhelmed about this. Whereas just kind of minding my own business and thinking, well, I'll do my part and try to just not go crazy about what other people are doing or what I could be doing or what I should be doing or what should have happened or all these things. Yeah, that's what's, I think, the the main thing that's been keeping me relatively sane, let's say. (laughs) No, that really resonates with me, what you said, because I'm in a constant battle all the time between the sort of organized, let's schedule, let's routine side of me and the fuck all of that side of me. (laughs) Um, And they're in constant conflict because I'm thinking, okay, well, I have this time. How can I use my time during a day most productively? Okay, let's do exercise in the morning. And I always do these timetables that I never end up following and then feel totally shit uh, but at the same time, the other extreme, which I'm also, I also tend to do, which is watch, watch something, a show, a series, uh, get really into it and don't stop watching it all day or any other sort of distractions. You know, that also makes me feel crap because I'm like, okay, well, the day's gone. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of guilt and a lot of frustrations. So in your experience, you're saying that you just take a moment either in the morning or just during the day, you just take a moment and you see what you feel like doing. You, you just follow that. Yeah, I really yeah, just take really it day by day and see, you know, what can I do today? I've had days where I had a lot of energy and I did a lot of things. And I had mm-hmm. days where I had zero energy and I just let myself um, do nothing. But that's also because I have the, the, I'm in the situation which is both lucky and unlucky where I'm not working. Um, so, of course, if, if people are working from home at their regular jobs, um, then they don't have the privilege of being able to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But So that's because I'm not working. Because because the thing is, I was supposed to start a job yesterday, actually. <laughs> uh. And obviously I couldn't because my well, it involved working with schools. And the obviously, since all of the schools are shut down, um, mm-hmm. my company that I was going to start with also shut down temporarily and so I just couldn't start my job so I've been doing a bit of teaching um through video calls and things but so yeah so I'm barely working at all I'm just doing a couple video lessons here and there so this is you know a luxury that I have to just be like well what am I going to do today whereas obviously people who are working as many hours or almost as usual but from home it's a whole different problem that they're faced with but yeah, the whole working, not working thing is a whole is a whole thing because you have so many people who you have so many situations. I mean, in my just like in my home where I'm isolating now, my, I'm with my brother and my mother and my brother is also self-employed um, as a photographer, a videographer. And he obviously has just no work right now because all his shoots mm-hmm. have been canceled, everything. Um, and he can't plan any further shoots, obviously, because no one knows how long this is going to last. On the one hand, it's like a a lot of people are like, oh, you're so lucky you don't have to work during this time where, you know, it's like a holiday for you, blah, blah, blah. But all these people are struggling so much because they're just thinking, when is the next time I'm going to have an income? What's going to happen to my my work plans, my contacts, my all these things? Are they going to keep canceling things after this is over because they don't have the money anymore, like the budget for what we had planned, all these things? 
and then we have a whole other aspect of it with my my mother who's a school teacher and who has been asked to work from home in the sense that she has to send her students work to do and and be in contact with them and all these things but also since the healthcare workers cannot stay home with their children the teachers have been asked to look after the healthcare workers children so some schools are open for a few children here and there who you know who need to be looked after so she's going into work some days for that this was all to say that that all of these mindsets just depend on what your work situation is and there are very different looking work situations with my my point i think i'm thinking also of students who you know their whole school year has been completely everything has been completely compromised and um how how they're going to keep up how they're going to get back on track even with even with the whole homeschooling thing it's like we were saying earlier again not everyone has the same access to that right so the children who have very easy access to um to technology to the internet um who have parents who can help them and all these things they're they might be fine but of course the the children who don't have as easy access to that are going to be much more impacted in a in a really bad way i was talking to my mother about this earlier and they they have a big percentage in each of their uh classes of children who just don't get back to the teachers who don't answer who don't reply who are not receiving the things not in in, in and it's quite worrying for these children actually to to think oh they you know maybe school was their main source of of uh of stability intellectual stimulation of learning of of comfort of growth of everything and if they don't have that you know it might be actually it might have much worse consequences for them and the, i think the minister of education just said today that he estimates that they've lost using air quotes again you can't see but about 8% of students well wow. with this whole homeschooling thing so it's going to have an impact for sure yeah really again letting down people who need it the most right then communities who are falling behind in society as it is falling even further behind they're not getting the support they need so a lot of things taken for granted and not thought through it's highlighting problems that were already there you know um mm-hmm. and they should have been addressing and that french people have been i mean not just french people but i'm just talking about what i now have been uh, you know uh, complaining about and protesting about for ages and they're just coming out now with this with this situation and it's things that when you put in something in place like homeschooling you take for granted that everyone has a computer and access to internet but not everyone does have that and some parents don't have the the resources to homeschool their children they just don't so yeah it just i think it just makes all these bigger problems come out in like any time of crisis really but. yeah of course but in terms of living with your family from you know being independent in paris and being your own person and living by yourself to having to be in lockdown with your family that must be quite intense no yeah it's definitely readapting to living together um mm-hmm. i'm i'm lucky because i get along with my mother and my brother and that's also why i chose to come i stay here because if i had been in a situation where living with them would have been worse than living on my own i wouldn't have made this choice 
So yeah, I'm quite lucky we get along well. It's definitely taking some adapting on all of us because you know, we're just not used to to sharing a space all the time. And especially, you know, I do spend, I do come to visit them a lot, but usually when we're together, you know, it's not 24 seven. You can go outside for a walk. You can go see your friends. You can go do separate activities and then rejoin in the, in the evening or anything here. It's, it's really different, but I'm personally, I'm adapting quite well. I mean, I'm quite happy. I, I mean, I just think of everything that could so many people are actually didn't have this choice that I had and either have to be in lockdown with people who, I don't know, in much worse living conditions or in with people who were not safe. So, yeah, I'm quite uh, lucky in that. I'm thinking about those people who only recently moved in together. You know how obviously <laughs> strangers through apps like Spare Room or something uh, end up living together. Because yeah. it's, yeah. for the price, you know, cheaper prices, especially rent in capital cities. And I'm just thinking about those people who, you know, just moved in together maybe in February, March, and then suddenly all this has happened. I'm happy to finish here with some closing questions, unless you you want to say anything more before we head to the closing questions. No. Okay. So uh, the first one is, uh, what do you miss most about pre-isolation? Hmm. <laughs> there, there are so many things that are different, but personally, the one thing that I'm craving is just walking, there being trees around me, smelling things feeling air even wind which is not even nice but just feeling some outdoorsy thing <laughs> i think that yeah. would be it yeah that makes sense to me what are you most grateful for during this time a lot of things actually because i'm so grateful that i actually have a comfortable home to to isolate in you know with with basically everything that i need right i have I have everything that I need to, to stay healthy and sane. I have running water, which means that I can wash my hands a million times a day if I, if I after going grocery shopping or something. I have the internet, which allows me endless entertainment, essentially, and also unlimited socializing with uh, the people around me. And I just, I'm actually grateful because I think some people either can't even stay home to stay safe in some, you know, in some parts of the world, in some even places in France, some people cannot choose to stay safe by staying at home because they just don't have the living conditions to do that. And some people, for some people, staying home means not being safe, right? People who have a very unsafe family environment. Um, mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that my conditions are actually... Um, I'm very privileged just to have this, just to be able to to be safe at home. I'm I'm also grateful because these are the conditions that some people have to live in all of the time. Some people have vulnerabilities or disabilities that don't allow them to have such a free life of going outside and doing all these things. And some people have to stay home most of the time. And mm -hmm. I think it's hard for them to see us being so desperate after two weeks because they're kind of like, hey, I have to do this all the time. So I'm also grateful that I can usually do all these things 
and that this is just going to be temporary for me, you know. But I also want to précise <laughs> that I'm not, I also don't love the whole idea that we have to feel grateful because there are people who are worse off than us. Because, mm-hmm. because I think we're also allowed to, to feel really shit about everything that's happening. Yes. And it's, also, yeah. it's also valid to, to be anxious and stressed and sad and, and nostalgic and to complain and all these things. I think it's, it's, these things uh, have to coexist and we have to be uh, aware that they can coexist. We can be grateful for all these things, but also that doesn't mean that we're not allowed to feel terrible and we should have only feelings of, of being grateful. And um, yeah, we're all just trying to adapt to a situation that we're not comfortable with. And we have to keep in mind that there are other experiences than ours. And that is just, it's a really complex thing that we shouldn't either try to reduce to a simpler thing or we shouldn't try to project our own experiences onto everyone and how they should feel. And I've seen so many posts on social media about, you know, there are people telling other people, you should feel grateful, you should feel this, or, and I just, that's not going to help anyone. So anyway, that's what I mean. (laughs) No, but that's, um, that's, uh, I was in Puerto Rico recently with a lot of American people. And this idea of gratitude is alien to the British populace (laughs) Uh, insofar as expressing it gushingly. But it is important to be aware of what you are grateful for, because otherwise you take things for granted. And a lot of the time uh, when I was volunteering out there, I heard a lot of people saying, you know, I'm so grateful of, of being able to have this opportunity when so many people are suffering and to help those who are suffering, etc. And there was this real idea of you've got to be aware of the love you have in comparison to your neighbor. And that is all very valid. But I did also see this it being taken to the extreme of, well, your own feelings are therefore not valid, which is a trap that I've fallen into myself as being my harshest critic. And it it only makes things worse in terms of mental health because it gives you more ammunition to beat yourself up with. (laughs) Um, You know, know, how dare you be depressed right now when you are surrounded by all these things that you take for granted, like a a roof over your head, internet, um, support, family support. You have family that you can rely on and depend on when things get tough. A lot of people don't have even that simplest, most basic of things. So, so I totally agree with you there. But if we take, if we take the gratitude into a more micro level, has this time allowed you to do things you haven't had time to do previously? And in that sense, has it given you the space to work on either inner issues or even external issues that you weren't able to focus on beforehand? Yeah, I think it, it's given me the, the space and time to do things or actually not do things without feeling guilty about doing them or not doing them, if that makes sense. So, for mm-hmm. example, spending a whole day painting without feeling guilty because I should have done something else. You know, I've just mm-hmm. given me this kind of expansive stretch of time that I can do things in that I wouldn't usually spend so much time doing, or I would do it, but then I would feel guilty about it. So it's kind of this guilt-free feeling of, oh, I can just indulge in like listening to a whole album without doing anything else at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
the whole night just doing things that I usually should, would be telling myself, no, you should go to bed because tomorrow you have to wake up. I can just be like, no, it's fine. I can just do this all night and tomorrow I'll sleep. And it's fine. so that's, I'm, I really appreciate that. Um, that's really and, freeing. And, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really envious that you are able to be guilt-free. That's something that I'm really working on and I can't seem to shake off is the guilt, but I guess that's a Catholic upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> Saying all that lovely stuff about the opportunities that isolation has given you, what is the first thing you'll do after this is over? I'd definitely hang out with my friends somewhere in the sun. In person, physically, not virtually. <laughs> yes, hang out with them in person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hopefully it'll be summer. Hopefully it won't be like autumn slash Christmas. Oh, <laughs> no, don't say that. The beginning of summer. Otherwise, no, it's not. <laughs> and finally, what's your number one survival tip for anyone listening out there? I would say stay informed just enough so that you know what to do and are doing the right things. But not constantly try to keep up with what's going on outside because I think that that's, I mean, personally, I found that very overwhelming. I know some people get less overwhelmed than I do, but mm -hmm. I think to keep up with everything, it can, it can induce so much panic and stress that I think the number one thing is just, you know, stay informed minimally. And then the rest of the time, I think possibly listening to or reading the news can just, you know, you can get so wrapped yes. up in what's going on outside. But, um, I think, yeah, remember to do things that are completely unrelated. I mean, a lot of people have been watching um, the news and watching all these documentaries that are, you know, situations that are similar to this. I've just been watching feel-good films that will make me go to a completely different place in my head. Um, so just, you know, disconnect a little bit. Yes. No, I agree with that. Well, thanks for coming on, Faustine. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking about this with you. I'm really glad you had a good time. And yeah, bye. I'll speak to you soon. Okay, speak to you soon. Bye. Have a good day. You too. So that's the end of the first episode. I don't know about you, but I really took to heart Faustine's guilt-free attitude during this time. I'll try to check in with myself more and understand what it is that I want to do during different parts of the day. It's not going to be easy for someone like me who is constantly looking to what others need and want, but if it will get rid of the guilt I feel on a daily basis, then it's worth a try. Let me know what you took away from this episode on my Instagram page. The link is in the description below. Tune in next week for my chat with my friend Rianne, a young mother of two. We'll talk about how it is to isolate with a toddler and a baby, without the physical support of nursery or mum groups available, and how to cope with the stress of it all. If you are suffering from any mental health issues, there are so many organisations that you can turn to. I have listed just a few of them in the description below. But also, in this time of isolation, don't forget to speak out about any worries, fears, stresses eating you up. Even the smallest, pettiest thought can turn into your worst enemy if it is not let out. Do not be ashamed of how you feel. It is valid. And remember that you are not alone. All of us at some point in life have or will go through similar toxic thought patterns and difficult weather fronts. Finally, I want to thank my sister, Jania, for the logo and constant support with this podcast. My fiancé, Jamie, for adding that important final touch to the audio. 
You can discover more of their talent on their Instagram pages, links in the description below. And of course, Faustine for coming on the show and her continuing support behind the scenes. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and that you'll join me again next week at home in the mind. Mm-hmm.